0: And we're back for another edition of the Big Red Louie Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Lane. Rolling solo tonight in the captain's seat. Presley Meyer, uh, our co-host, out to dinner with his mother. Happy birthday, Hope. Um, And then Alex, out to dinner with his fiance. I didn't get the memo that tonight was dinner night. But I'm not alone. We've got a special edition of the show. Will Will Reddington of the Red Talk Podcast joins us along with Alan Thomas. Guys, how are we doing?
1: Good, man. Good to see you. Great to be here. This Dude. is fun. It's our first time. This, all, is. this is like
0: a different group. I'm so used to seeing Alex and Presley. Uh, it's nice to get a nice couple of uh, change of faces. And we have professionals here tonight. so That's damn straight. <laughs> yeah, we might be telling Presley and Alex, don't come back. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. So we got a lot to get into tonight. I know we just did a, a show late last week and covered all of the big things with basketball with Louisville losing to Texas Tech. Kind of previewed Eastern Kentucky. Talked a little bit about the bowl game. We're not going to jump into that tonight just because we've still got freaking – 57 weeks before that game happens. Uh, But there's a couple of things that I think are worth diving into tonight. Obviously, you've got National Signing Day, uh, the early period beginning tomorrow. There's a lot going on with football recruiting. Louisville basketball takes the hardwood again tomorrow night against Miami of Ohio, their last game before UK. And then, believe it or not, fellas, we are at the end of 2019, which means we are at the end of the decade. Uh, For the first time in my life, I think I feel old. Flew by. Yeah, flew by. When this started in 2010, how old were you? Oh man, like 16? 2010, yeah, I would have been 17, I would have been a junior in high school.
2: Okay, uh, I was 27. So, so you were about our age now, <laughs> yes, I'm
0: 26 now, I think. I can never remember how old I am. So we're, we're going to talk a little bit about the decade. I think there's been a lot of good things, obviously, in, in, across the the world of sports with Louisville, and there's been, unfortunately, a lot of bad, I would say probably equally amount of bad things as there's been good things. Looking at your topic sheet, it's it's about
1: dead on it's equal
0: yeah I, and this is just me thinking high level like i didn't even i didn't even get into some of what we could get into of the best and the worst of the decade and that's why i took to twitter because twitter whenever i don't know an answer to something well, let me just ask twitter They'll hook they'll you tell up me the answer because everybody every you got all the people who have like photogenic memories and remember everything stuff i would have never thought about especially considering at the beginning of the decade i was still in high school so like you know, there's been a lot of brain cell loss in those years of college and all the fun stuff that comes with that. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, the Mount Rushmore of Louisville sports and kind of put together what that's looked like for the last uh, couple of years and, and talk about some of the best moments of the decade and in the year on a strong point. But I want to start tonight, Will, with you because I was listening to your show. I believe it was last week. And you guys, uh, you guys do a great job over there by the way over there and if you guys aren't listening to the red talk podcast you need to because there's a lot of good stuff over there but you guys were talking about christmas music and i've got a lot of opinions
1: on christmas music okay would you like to go first
0: well let's let's talk about this playlist that you casually mentioned called will's christmas slappers yeah okay
1: will's christmas slappers it's uh worldwide okay Uh, it's a pretty big deal (laughs) yeah i uh i've worked hard on it for around four years now oh so this is like a growing
0: list let me ask you this is there any in sync on
1: that uh, of course. Mary, oh, Mary hell Christmas, yeah.
0: Every year I got to lip sync that and yeah. have my wife record it. That it's song beautiful. It <laughs> does. It does. And uh, what about uh, Hippopotamus? Do you have that song in there? Uh,
1: no. So uh, two Christmases ago, I have a little sister and I think she was like seven and she did the I want a hippopotamus for yeah. Christmas thing. And uh, it became relatively like torture based. yeah i want
0: a hippopotamus for christmas by uh
1: gail Peavy from that's not I don't know what know what throw on here no, so that's Never, not one of ever will's christmas heard of that. so ever. give me give me the top five songs on will's christmas slap all right so run run rudolph by kelly clarkson is my favorite okay and I, that's a big thing with this playlist there's a lot of great christmas songs out there yeah. i try to find my version and what do you look for in christmas music uh, I want something upbeat. Okay. I want to be happy. Yeah. And, uh, and that's really it. You know, yeah. whether it's relationship based or just sure. on Christmas or just about Rudolph running around, I want something that's going <laughs> to make me happy, get me fired up for Christmas. Okay. Uh, love like it's Christmas. Jonas Brothers. Little Saint Nick. Oh man. Uh, that is my absolute track. Okay. Uh, mistletoe. Justin Bieber. Great song. Uh, Silver Bells. Sarah McLachlan. Okay. However you pronounce that, Yeah. yeah pretty fire uh got some heat for putting 7 rings by ariana grande on there yeah
0: see i don't know that one you're you're so modern i was expecting you know the traditional rudolph you know any kind of santa winter wonderland yeah. baby it's cold outside Is it, like you're going full modern on me exactly. 2019 like jams. wonderful christmas time
1: love that one you know the choir of children sing their song they practiced all year long <laughs> right, right. I, i'm like i like the kelly Rowland version of that you know so I, I like to i like to keep the the beat there some of the old ones just it sounds too old you know we work hard on our audio quality at yeah the big red Louie and at red talk right and you hear these old songs i'm like man I don't like the audio quality let's let's bump it up twenty yeah years.
0: yeah so instead of the traditional hippopotamuses of the world you're going with the ariana grandes and the justin beavers so yeah
2: where does Ari where does Ariana Grande song fit in? Like why is that a Christmas song? Cuz I know oh, what you're talking about. Well,
0: it's about, probably on so. a Christmas
1: album I would imagine is it? some kind. Not, it's actually not so. Ariana Grande has a Christmas album. Slappers on there. Santa <laughs> tell me last Christmas, but The Seven Rings Ariana Grande song is not a Christmas song, okay. but it is the sample that they use is my favorite things, which kinda is a Christmas song. Oh, exactly. the Sound
2: of Music thing. Boom. Well, she
1: she yeah, that
2: that's her Sound of Music sample. Yeah, exactly. She's still she, like it? okay, and that's a Christmas. Flow. Yeah, that was on TV the other day. Yep, so I, got I did you.
1: that to kind of throw the people a curveball. You know, they put Will's Christmas Slappers on. They're yeah. sitting around the fire in the tree with their family, and then Seven Rings come on comes on, and they're like, okay, it's a nice switch.
0: Yeah, I, I say, look, I'm all for it because in my family, my wife is a huge jazz fan. So like all of our Christmas musics are like songs and our record player that we have are going to be like your Frank Sinatra's of the world, your Michael Bublé's, your uh, your your Louis Armstrong's, like some of these old school jazz songs. And I'm like, babe, I'm just not feeling this. I'm not feeling it. Like I can't. I can't get down to Christmas when you know I'm about to fall asleep. That's not happening. That's,
1: that's what it's kind of like. But Michael Bublé, legend though. That's but, well,
0: he's got to have some up tempo. Like if you slow him down, he that's a nap waiting to happen. Very true. Right. Yeah. So get me started. Let me let me give you my take on Christmas music because I am scarred by Christmas music. So I grew good. up in a family. There's actually several elements that kind of combine to make this like me absolutely hating Christmas music. The number one thing is I grew up in a house with no father. So it was two women. Christmas music came on in like July, and it stayed on until like February. So Christmas music was always on. Okay. Not really. That's really bad exaggeration. But like October thirty-one, December thirty-one, Christmas music nonstop. I'm you know I'm outnumbered, so I'm not getting a chance to kind of put my input in. So there's that. Then I worked at a restaurant for for five years. Okay, this restaurant had the same soundtrack. For Christmas music every single year, yeah. So and, and you got to think you're in there for six seven hours at a time. It's on a loop, and one of the songs on there, I shit you not, was <laughs> Jingle Bells, but it was a dog barking Jingle Bells. <laughs> so think of that. Think of hearing that five six times a day for five years. It'll make you think some crazy things with Christmas music. I'd you know, ask
2: like, for a raise so. every day. I mean, so I literally
0: it, it was like like we're we're still doing this. We're still we're still <laughs> playing the dog barking Jingle Bells. Like that's a thing. So I can't do Christmas music. I just can't. Like I just, I just can't never, stand it.
1: Never throw it on in the car, ever.
0: Is that the is that the key? Oh, yeah. I throw it on in the car. Oh, you're saying you do throw it yeah. on the car. I thought you were saying like the key to wanting to continue to listen to Christmas music is not in the car.
1: No, you got to throw it on in the car. You got to see the lights on all the houses, windows just cracked with yeah. the heat
0: on. Beautiful. At yeah. nighttime. Yeah, that's, that's of course. Driving that's through good. like the neighborhoods with all of your lights and just you know really getting imagine? that nosno- the nostalgia yeah. feel, right?
1: Yeah, I, I love it. I-, I used to work at a shoe store, Nike, uh-huh. and I actually liked Christmas music a lot more because of that. Because we'd play the same playlist on loop for eleven months.
0: Did they play Will's Christmas Slappers? No, I wish, but a, <laughs> lot, of, a lot
1: of Will's Christmas Slappers came from that Nike. Oh, playlist, you know that so, was your inspiration. Yeah, yeah. It's the chicken and the egg. Right? I'll yeah, see you. okay, I'll see you.
0: that makes tons of sense. Well, you know, I, I think that there's a place for Christmas music, uh, but for me, there's not. I, like, I just can't do it. It's, it's a non-negotiable. But I will check out Will's Christmas Slappers.
1: I'll send it to you on Spotify. Uh, Spotify and Apple Music. Oh,
0: though. okay. So you're yeah, worldwide, man. I had no to way. Do both,
1: yeah. The Spotify <laughs> people were get mad.
0: Yeah. So let's do. A, let's just do like a quick. I know. I think you guys did this on your show, but a quick power ranking of of traditional. Let's let's go traditional, right? So for me, I think everything starts with Jingle Bells. Just for me, maybe that's not you, but Jingle Bells. You know, because you got the Batman Dashies smells are, part of it. Everybody like can, knows the words, right? You, you know? can hum it. Like I know it on the piano somehow, and I've never played piano. Wow. Yeah. It's just one of those things you hear it and you're like, oh, damn, all right. If yeah. I clap
2: three times in a row and then I clap three times in a row again, people will turn their head and
0: say, Jingle Bells? <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Just the way yeah. it goes. Yeah. So so it's Jingle Bells. Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer was always a favorite of mine. Okay. Here Comes Santa Claus is pretty good. Are you ever rocking around the Christmas tree? I, I do like rocking around oh, yeah. the Christmas tree. And I got to tell you, That's man, a Home Alone one. The hippopotamus song is... That snuck up to number five. Like I love that song because my daughter thinks it's funny. We listened to it like
1: a hundred times last year. It never gets boring. Yeah, that happened to me with Baby Shark. You know, not Christmas related, but you oh, hear Baby Shark oh, for the first boy. time, you're like, oh no, please no. And yeah. then after like the thirtieth time, and the Nationals win the World Series, you're like, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> baby Shark. Maybe. Right.
0: Yeah. Wait till you have kids. You just be lucky you don't have kids right now oh, because that's so lucky. My daughter is nonstop <laughs> Baby Shark. The moment she wakes up, Baby Shark. The moment she goes to bed, Baby Shark. Like it's all day, Baby Shark, nonstop. I listened to that song this morning three times. Oh wow! Man. Yeah, no, it's just it's a daily thing. So, what about you? What's at the top of your of your non? Not, let's take out the the slappers. Let's okay. go to the traditional. Traditional. Wh- wh- where are you going? One, two, three.
1: Uh, simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Okay. I feel like you can't even mess that up. No yeah. matter which artist takes it on, it's going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I like okay. the old version, mm-hmm, and that. mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. just a classic. Jingle Bell Rock. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I like that one. And then, yeah, I mean, I'm not not rocking around the Christmas tree. Right. You know, How could I, mean, you I not definitely be? am uh last Christmas, you know, painful shreds. Uh yeah, just a lot of good stuff out there.
2: Yeah. What do you what do you think? How do you feel about let me throw this out there, the Grinch you're a mean one. Oh, whatever. One, yeah. I mean, does yeah, that yeah. count? Nah, yeah. I, yeah. You know, I think, I think the counts. Grinch has been
0: around for a long time.
2: Right? I think that, that's, that's starting not... to become more of a pop culture thing. People are more, they decorate with Grinch right. instead of Santa Claus sometimes. Right. You yeah. know, you see yeah. Grinch
0: stuff everywhere. Right, for sure. Especially now that you've got the like, new movie out. It's not just a Christmas thing, it's a year round thing. Okay. So, yeah. what's, what, do you have a favorite Christmas song? Did you say, you might have said it. I don't know.
2: He probably covered it. It's
0: definitely <laughs> on Will's Slapper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whatever it All is. All right. So, if you're out there, do you have to give access to the people or can they just kind of, Kind of check it out by searching Will's Christmas Slappers. They can check
1: it out. They all can right. search Will's Christmas Slappers. It should come up. I have had some people ask me to send it to them, saying it was a private playlist. It is not anymore. So okay, it's, for
0: all of you out there, Will's Christmas Slappers is the move for this summer or for this Christmas time. Like, like, exactly. there's nothing better than waking up uh, and going downstairs to your Christmas tree and turning on Will's Christmas Slappers. Like, it's I can't uh, argue it's with that. the tradition that everyone needs to adopt. So let's move on. Let's actually talk some sports because that's what we're here to do. That's what you're here to listen to. Tomorrow, as I mentioned earlier, National Signing Day. Louisville is expected to hopefully sign the twenty twenty-three out of the 24. We know of one who I don't know what the dude is doing. He just keeps flopping back and forth with the graphics. It's kind of getting annoying. I think he's starting to slowly realize he's like – I think Louisville fans don't see it yet. He's trolling. Like he's trolling Louisville Mm. fans big time. Chubba? No, no, no. I'm talking
1: Josh Griffiths. Oh, uh, Stevens big, event. Country. Yeah. Big, so country. big
0: Country. Yeah, uh, so Big Country. So for those of you who don't know, was committed to Florida State, backed off of his Florida State commitment, committed to Louisville, and then wasn't at Florida State. Now he's at Louisville. Then he wasn't at Florida State. Now he's at Louisville. And Now I think he's sold 100%. Still committed to Louisville for the time being, but I expect him to sign with Florida State tomorrow. Yeah, deleting his Twitter bio and all that. You know, I'm glad that I – I, I, well, I shouldn't say I'm glad. I like I just this landscape of recruiting is just becoming the weirdest thing to me, and the the people who like have to cover it for a living, God bless them. Oh, mm-hmm. man, I can't imagine. because there's nothing worse than having to cover moody eighteen year olds that's that's why I always
1: like haven't really followed recruiting as closely as I probably should. It's just it's tough dealing with seventeen year olds changing their minds.
0: right, exactly. And it's nonstop. I mean, it happens, you know, every day you've got players flipping. And the thing that's really interesting about college football, you don't see it in college basketball. Is it's a dirty recruiting game? I mean, you're because you're committed in basketball. Typically, players don't continue to take visits. They usually kind of shut things down. They do start to kind of get some, you know, some the the cold feet. They'll back out of their commitment. Whereas in football, dudes are just taking visits all the time. Like it's just that's where the it, money it, is. It's just a thing. That's yeah. the Product. Yeah. So I mean, like you had a you had a Louisville player this weekend who uh, who went and visited Pittsburgh and, and reading on some of the forums online, he went to Pittsburgh because it was a free trip. <laughs> Saw that. Like, I mean, that's pretty cool, but, you know, that's that's the world we live in these days. Players are trying to get social media famous. It's It can be rather frustrating, but uh, I digress. So, Louisville will sign, I would imagine, 22, 23 players tomorrow. And one of the questions I think that most fans have is, what is Chubba Purdy going to do? Because uh, we experienced this in basketball where we thought, you know, Louisville was in a really good shape with a recruit went down to the wire, you, you kept holding on that, well, we've had that relationship for months, and he wouldn't do that, would he? And then every time they'd commit somewhere else. Uh, and it makes you nervous about Chuba because he's the star of your class. I don't think that your class is nearly as good if he commits somewhere else. Even though you have another quarterback who is really good in T-Web, uh, you got a lot of really good foundational pieces in the trenches and, and in the secondary, some more skill weapons coming in that, that will bring speed to a level that we've not seen. Three or four guys, we run four, three, 40s like it's nothing. I mean, it's gonna be. uh You're gonna see a lot more of that deep, the the deep play uh or the deep passing game that we saw this year. But what are your guys' thoughts on Chuba? Are you nervous? Are you not nervous? Are you just kind of wait and see? Like, what are we thinking uh, as a whole here?
1: I'm nervous personally. Uh, you see Chuba post that picture in his Florida State uniform with the new coach, and it just doesn't feel or look like it's gonna go well for us. It- Alex Hornibrook's gone. James Blackman is only a redshirt sophomore. So he's going to be back next year. And I think it's clear that uh, Mikael Cunningham is probably – better right now and shows more promise than blackman so when you think about it that way given that cunningham looks as if he now has maybe two more years as L's number one qb right. purdy may be interested in playing immediately and yeah louisville looked like a great place for that up until like what week five or six this year we I, didn't I, even know who we wanted to start
0: well it's it's such a funny conversation because louisville's quarterback situation was uh you know it wasn't a disaster like it was last year but Uh, Up until the second half of that Florida State game, I mean, Louisville couldn't really do anything down the field. I mean, uh, you know, we knew coming into the season, Mikael Cunningham is a runner, always going to be a runner. But I don't think anybody knew he had an arm like the the way that we ended up seeing. Yeah, he's got a cannon. I mean, mean, he lets it go. And it makes you wonder, what the hell was Bobby Petrino doing as a quarterback guru? Like, why are you not letting that guy throw the football if he can throw the football? But I think you're right. Now the question of who's the quarterback next year, in my mind, is there is no question. Exactly. It's Mikael Cunningham. Absolutely. Because why would he come back? You know, why would you let him play out the season as the starter? Um, you know, go into the bowl game as the starter if you don't think he's going to be your guy next year. Regardless of if you got two freshmen coming in, I don't think it matters.
1: Yeah, I agree. And Florida State they had a really disappointing season. They you know, fired their coach late right. year. And Louisville, I feel like we can all say that we had an impressive season and we're satisfied with where they're at, where we're at. And I just think Florida State's probably ready to make a change at the helm and mm-hmm. Louisville's not. And Purdy seems like he's ready to go right now. And I I never thought it would come to this. But right. Florida State makes a coaching hire and then suddenly they're taking our players.
0: Yeah. And it's it's also one of those things that you in the world of recruiting, you don't really know the behind the scenes and the ways it works because, on the surface, when Florida State offered Chubba Purdy, it didn't make any sense. There's no connection there. Then you start to do a little digging. You see that the coordinator who uh, Mike Norvell hired from Auburn had actually been at Arizona State prior to that with Norvell, had a connection with Chubba Purdy you know very tied in with the arizona recruiting scene and it makes perfect sense and yeah. the thing that they can offer now like you said is playing time Louisville can't offer that Yeah, that's true you know yeah. i mean maybe maybe next year evan conley doesn't you know in in those scenarios where you're going to play a second quarterback maybe it's chava purdy instead of, of evan conley but without seeing him without being able to kind of figure out whether or not he's good enough to play right away you know it, it i don't know it's one of those things where you know you, you think it's a big loss. Maybe it's not. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe it's a better thing to have one freshman quarterback coming in than two. I, I don't really know. What do you think? There's a few projections out there, you know, saying that Pur, like Purdy's probably going to come here and mm-hmm. Griffiths
2: will go to Florida State. Um, I'm just kind of hoping for, I'm hoping that it maybe it's not a trip for him, but maybe it's an experience for him. Maybe he needs to see the other side yeah. real quick, see if the grass is greener. Yeah. Um, and maybe talk to his buddies. I know, I'm sure he's made friends, you know, friends here already. And, right. uh, you know, maybe he's made friends on the road too. But maybe he's listening to mentors say like, "Hey, you know, you've got a good situation, a good coach. Um, you know, just all around good. You know, feel for, for you know the city of Louisville, the right. university. You know, maybe he's a good fit here. Yeah. Chubba.
0: And and, and with, with that, you make a good point because um, you know, with Chuba, we haven't really heard much from him the last several months, and I thought that was a good thing. But maybe it's not. I mean I, I really I don't know if maybe he soured on, you know, the expectations of playing time. I really don't know. Uh but I think for Louisville fans that's the big thing tomorrow. And uh I don't know if he'll sign with Florida State tomorrow. I would expect probably not. But the biggest concern if he doesn't is him not signing at all. I think if he doesn't sign at all, that probably means he's gonna you know, obviously he's gonna push it till February. Sure, he's he gonna is. give Florida State a chance. Um and it, it just kinda makes you nervous there. But in terms of direction of this class, what are you guys thinking? Do you feel like, you know, regardless of rankings do you feel like Scott Satterfield and his staff have something to work with here for the foundation moving forward?
1: I think this class I mean I think things only go up for Louisville football going forward I, there's no reason not to believe that I mean who who doesn't want to play for Scott Satterfield that's what I don't get like I, even if this class doesn't impress you as much as maybe you had hoped I think the classes going forward will Mm -hmm. just the, the perception of Louisville's football program, the the things they put on social media, it just looks fun. It looks like something you want to be a part of. And I think that this year is going to go better than we even think it is right now. And I think that it only gets better from now on. I mean, did you see that Luke Combs post Satterfield had? The guy's awesome.
0: Yeah. Like, of course he is. Like, I mean, without the app state connection, you know, put that aside. That's just amazing. And the fact that he had the t-shirt on over the polo, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, As a dad, that's what I look up to. I'm like, man, I just want to be like you so bad. I just want to be you. I want to be able to pull off the t-shirt over the dress shirt. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but for me I, you know i think that this class is extremely impressive you know let's let's not forget whether you want to look at the fact that there's one four star in this class if that's you I, that's fine i get it like that's what it's all about in recruiting is the stars but in, in this class i see right away a potential for four four guys to start and uh, probably 15 to 20 of them to be able to play right away to me that that means a couple of things one they've identified people who fit their scheme that's huge like you can't you can't even begin to understand how important that is because if you look at how many players by Petrino had you know fail out uh, or come in and not play well I, I think a lot of that could be scheme like Juwan pass just didn't fit what Bobby wanted to do um, and, and that doesn't mean that that wasn't a big recruiting win but it means that, that the scheme and it changed four times I mean shit they had two different offensive coordinators before Juwan even played That's true, yeah. Um, and, and so there's things like that but I think that you have starters You've got reserves, so I think you're going to come in and, and play. You win at the offensive and defensive line, which is it, we saw against Kentucky, and I will continue to, to just really tip my hat to Kentucky. I hate to say it. They dominated Louisville on the offensive line of scrimmage, the I and mean, they just game. killed it Louisville. It was ugly. Yeah. Their defensive line was bigger, stronger, faster, meaner. Uh, and and that's not on that's not on the staff. I'm not going to put that on the staff. I mean, obviously, you want them to play better, but they have only so much to work with. And bringing in five offensive linemen or four offensive linemen, three defensive ends, a couple defensive tackles is really going to change the way the Louisville operates. Then here's the other one, Chris and Fitzpatrick. Let's not overlook how important that is Man, because he absolutely. is a lot like what I thought with David Johnson in last year's class. David Johnson confirmed that Chris Mack was going to be doing things the right way. Worried about David Johnson leaving because he was from Louisville, had been committed previously to Louisville. Had he not committed to Louisville and Chris Mack, it would have made you say, "Hmm, what's wrong? It's huge. With Christian Fitzpatrick, it's the same thing. He's been around this program since he was in eighth grade. His brother was you know, a recruit in 2014, 2015. Uh, he's seen Lamar Jackson. He's seen the Heisman. He's seen what they can do at their best. He's also seen the program absolutely fall on its face. Um, and for him to believe in this staff, and let's not even forget, he decommitted from a program that leads the country every single year in passing. As a wide receiver, that's your dream to want to play for that, right? I mean, because you're the star there. Absolutely. And for I, him to come back to Louisville only confirms that Scott Satterfield and them have the foundation set and they're just needing the guys to take off.
1: I think you're going to see more of that too. I mean, he, he wants he probably wants to be just like his big brother. I mean, and how awesome is that for Louisville fans? Like four more years of another Fitzpatrick. Yeah, exactly. I, I think
2: I think the most attractive thing for Christian to come here was seeing how well his brother's doing. And probably after the game, his brother's calling him saying like, you know, this is great. You got to be here. Yeah, you know, yeah. So attractive. We, we
0: talked with, with their dad, with Greg Fitzpatrick earlier in the season. And one of the things that, that he really, kind of harped on was, you know, there was a lot of worry up front with wide receivers of, are they going to get the ball enough? And I think that there was some concern about that down the the stretch of the season with McKayla only throwing the ball about 15 times on average. But I think that Satterfield proved the ability to be able to use his weapons in an efficient way. Christian was there for the game when Des had the the big breakout game against Boston College, um, and I think that 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 Christian saw a potential for him to come in play right away as a freshman. Christian could take set that Dawkins spot right away. I mean, because he's a six six four six five receiver. He's a big guy. He's not like his brother to be able to start on the opposite end of your brother. That's pretty cool. That's I can't wait. Cool. Yeah, I can't either. Uh, Alan, in terms of, in your opinion, what do you think in the overall direction? I know you don't follow football recruiting, but just direction of, do you feel comfortable in where Scott Satterfield is taking the program?
2: One hundred percent. And I'll I'll kind of harp on, you know, um, as a footnote, you know, with this class, let's talk about, and, and I've brought it to you guys a few times, Jordan Watkins. Yeah. All right. I've bumped into his father a few times. Me and his father go too far back enough to, for me to follow mm-hmm. Jordan's upbringing. Mm-hmm. I just know him from a long time ago. Um, bumped into him. This guy, his dad. Is a prick my finger, it'll bleed blue. Mm -hmm. UK fan, really? Yeah, he is. He is a you know like the sticker I'm looking at right now on your laptop. Yeah, um, trying to peel that off like while you're sitting here and look you in the eye while he's doing it. He's that kind of UK fan, right? So for Jordan to come to his father, being raised that way, and to say, "Hey, man, you know, like not only is the culture different, but this is is, this is where I need to be, not where I want to be, but where I need to be." And can you imagine? You know, Jordan Watkins, uh, he posted on Twitter uh, about a month ago or so. And this is right before I bumped into his dad the second time. Mm-hmm. He posted on Twitter. Um, it was a video of him just basically – it was a a uh, naked quarterback draw, mm-hmm. and he just takes it about 85 yards. And it said 40 times, you know, don't matter, question mark. Um, so I talked to his dad about that. I'm like, as a father, you know, you see your kid, your 18-year-old, put that on Twitter, like what comes to mind? And He's like – yeah, well, you should have seen the second 40. Like, that yeah. first 40 was fast. When he starts leaving those other guys, he's like, that was faster than the first 40. Right. So, um, you know, I mean, to, to like I said, to be able to convince a kid like that to switch, I mean, that's 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 insane. We yeah. know how crazy this rivalry is.
0: Yeah, and I, I've, I don't know if this is true, so I'm going to put this out here, and I should probably have some kind of, like, ignorant sound to play before I say it. But I heard that Mark Stoops texted Jordan Watkins after the Louisville game and told him, you get what you deserve. So Whoa. that kind of tells you about the, the direction and the culture of the two programs. And Jordan saw what he wanted to be a part of. And I, you know, I can't blame him for that. Uh, in terms of your guys, the, who's, the, who's the guy to watch in the class? Who's the one, aside from Christian Fitzpatrick, because I think that's the easy answer, and sure. Chubba, who's the guy you have your eyes on? I'm going to go with Marvin Dallas.
1: Okay, first, I like that. First of all, what a cool name I Marvin I know, Dallas man. Is. I know, I know. But he's ranked 41st in this upcoming class, yeah. a third in the outside linebacker category. We need linebacker talent, depth, tackling improvement, everything. And you have to be able to turn five-plus rushing yard attempts to two-yard rushing attempts to become an elite defense, right. especially in our conference. And I, I just can't wait to see what Dallas looks like because it, it appears like he's a little undersized. Yeah, 6'1", 180 is not – your traditional linebacker. No, absolutely not. But I I can't wait to see what he looks like after a couple of years in Louisville's strength and conditioning program. Yeah,
0: he's, like he's going to be the new age Rajay Burns. He's going to be the guy that's relied upon to set the edge, exactly. be a quick blitzer. I mean, you, you saw Rajay and impact he had this season. I think he was second or third in tackles. He's 210 pounds playing linebacker. There's absolutely room for this kid to come in, and he should be able to play right away. Yeah, should they, be able to play quite a bit. We have snaps for him. Right, yeah. <laughs> what, about, what about you, Alan? Who's the guy you've kind of pinpointed as the, the guy you want to watch? um i'll go with you know what i'll go back to
2: my guy i kind of uh you know put too many facts uh, a minute ago but jordan jordan Watkins. i don't know where we're gonna put him but there's so many things you can do with this kid yeah i mean he is a you know off the top of my head probably top 100 athlete top 50 athlete in yeah. the country. i mean he's he's fast this kid's fast and he's athletic um he's, he's he's strong he's 18 years old and this kid's as strong as you know some of the starting quarterbacks you see across the country so um
0: you know, like I said,
2: he, he put the ball in his hands and he can do many things with it.
0: Yeah, and that you saw how dangerous that can be with Tutu Atwell this season. I mean, whether it was coming around the backside of the offense, uh, you know, in, a, in the, the orbiter role, whether it was going deep. I mean, they did use him in so many different ways, and you're going to see a lot of the same thing with Jordan. I don't know if he'll play offense or defense. I have no idea. Yeah, I, Trying to think about where you put him, I mean, there is there's probably five slot receivers already on the roster when you bring everybody in from this class i don't know what they do that's a good problem to have though. yeah it is yeah it is. i'm gonna go with trevor reed trevor reed's an offensive lineman it's not a sexy pick by any means but trevor reed is his plug-and-play starter as they get they'll lose makai becton obviously you expect adonis boone to step into that role tyler haycraft who was he really brought the physicality on the offensive line this season uh i think trevor reed will 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 match that and take it to a new level six 285 pounds he's got juco experience um, he's a big body. He's physical. He can move and we saw how dangerous Makai Becton was getting into the second and third level of blocking. I don't remember Louisville ever having a guy like that. Uh, Trevor Reed is certainly not Makai Becton, uh, but he's going to be a good piece who can start right away um, and kind of combine with a lot of the pieces they brought in last year at the offensive line to to help take that group forward. So tomorrow should be interesting. Uh, whether football is your thing or not, recruiting is your thing or not, tomorrow is when you'll start to hear this, the coaching staff tell you what they like, what they see, because obviously they can't talk about it yet. That's always what I really enjoy. I want to hear about what we saw, especially with some of the guys who play different positions in high school that are going to be on the opposite side of the ball in college. Like, what did you see? Uh, that'll be really interesting to me. So it'll be definitely something to watch for. Tomorrow also, Louisville, Miami of Ohio. Don't want to spend a lot of time on this because my Ohio sucks. Uh, I'm going to be quite honest with <laughs> you. The they're fact that they're 5-5 five five is very, very... Uh, I don't know how that happened. They've yeah.
2: lost four of their last five. They lost to Evansville by 14 points. Yeah. yeah lost and, to Wright State twice. Yeah. Lost to Wright State right. twice. Right. And twice. The,
0: weird, the weird non-conference home-at-home home is a very weird thing. To me. <laughs> I think Belmont and Lipscomb do that, too. Because, and They play, I think, you know, a couple miles away from each other in Nashville. But anyways. It's an Ohio thing, I guess. Yeah, I guess it is. But uh, they, they don't have a ton of talent. I was listening to their coach on with Mark Ennis this evening, and he just kind of stressed the fact that you know we're a young team. We've had a lot of injuries. Their best player who declared for the NBA draft last year and came back was injured within the first, I think, 10 seconds of the game, their first game of the season. Uh, They're a small team. Uh, they don't have a whole lot of talent, and Louisville shouldn't have any issues with them. Um, but but, but let's, let's kind of go higher level here because, obviously, this is Louisville's last game before they, they go into a 10-day break before the U.K. game. Which is way too long. Uh, know yeah, know. we're going to talk about that because I think that's an interesting thing because Kentucky is the complete opposite of what Louisville is heading into that game in terms of schedule. But to you guys, what's the biggest concern that you have? Obviously, you go undefeated into Texas Tech. That game was a just a just a clunker. Uh, then blow out Eastern Kentucky, where you still see some you know some signs of things that might be worrisome. But you obviously you see a better performance. What what is it for you guys? I know you're both basketball guys. What is it that kind of stands out
1: for me? I have a couple things here. Darius Perry's attitude worries me a lot. Mm -hmm. I I think if you're offended when you get taken out of a ball game, Louisville may not be for you. Mm -hmm. And I'm just seeing that a little bit with Perry. He just gets really frustrated. He seems to be buried on the bench for a little bit longer each game. And I don't know that things improve for him given that that's the case. I think he's the kind of guy that needs to be out there. He needs to be trusted. And I don't know that we're in a position to trust him, to give him the keys. I don't know if he's the guy. And Williamson, I just never thought that I'd be sitting at a home game against Eastern Kentucky and he wouldn't check in until like the 12-minute mark at the first half. I yeah. never thought that would be a possibility for this team, and I really would like to see him against Miami of Ohio tomorrow get comfortable, look like he did in that Miami game yeah. a little bit to start the season because we need him to be somewhat of a factor in Rupp defensively, yeah, no, no do doubt. something,
0: especially when you consider how much length Kentucky has. Exactly, that's their specialty. It always has been. They've got guys with seven foot two wingspans across year. the board. Uh, and for him, I mean, it's got to be defense, right? I mean, that's why Chris Max not playing him. Which I don't know. That's a that's a discussion I'd be I'd be wanting to have with Chris. Like, dude, how's he gonna get any better if you don't just put him out there? Exactly. Yeah, throw him to the wolves. Now. Like practice yeah. is practice. I You're, get it.
1: You still look on these mock draft sites, and almost every single one of them has him going in the top fifteen, top twenty. Yeah. And every single one of them has him going ahead of Jordan War. Right. He's going. Right. How wild yeah. is that? See, that's I I disagree I know you do. 100% there. I do, and
0: I said it before the season because I, I you know, I had I had a good friend of mine who coached a couple of players that went to play for Xavier. I had a high school friend who played for Coach Mack at Xavier. Coach Mack traditionally does not play freshmen. Even when he, you know, they they brought in their best class 3 years ago with a kid named Paul Scruggs. He was a top 15 kid from Indianapolis. He didn't see the floor for a full year. Wow. Quentin Gooden was the same way. Uh, right now, you've got Najee Marshall up there dominating. They didn't step on the floor. They, Chris Mack traditionally had a lot of upperclassmen. He he's not a guy that gets a ton of NBA players, so he's got three and four year guys for the most part. Freshmen just don't see the court, and you're seeing that this season. And it makes me wonder: Is he, you know, is that it, it's early, right? But is he hampering the growth because he kind of you know preventing this team ceiling from being? realized earlier you know i, I that, that
1: i don't know i think so i mean we can do so many different things with this team in terms of which five players are on the floor at yeah. once, and we really haven't seen that creativity kind of flourish mm. we, we've seen a lot of the same kimball's always out there we're seeing kimball and perry at the same time i would right. like to see us get a little bigger and play sam at the two i think yeah. we'd be a better defensively especially against an opponent like kentucky doing that, yeah so I don't know. I, I just want to see him out there. David Johnson, it seems like this past game at least, he really looked comfortable. He played a little bit better on both sides of the floor, and he seems to have done that with each game. And I don't know why. I just feel like David Johnson has looked so much more comfortable than Williamson has when David Johnson missed all that time to start the year.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree that, that you know David Johnson has to see the floor more. But I want to go back to your comment on, on Perry because you wrote about this last week, and I thought it was a really good point that you make. Um, you know, when making the case for some, each guy at the point guard spot, the thing with Darius Perry that you pointed out is you ha- I think that you have to trust him. That's what he's looking for right now is somebody who's just going to let him figure it out. But the thing that I have concern with there is, and I don't know if you guys heard this, but um, after Texas Tech going into the Eastern Kentucky game, somebody asked Coach Mack, you know, what do you think about Darius having a turnaround tomorrow? And he said, I don't know. We'll see. To me, that spells—he doesn't have confidence in Darius, especially after how hard he rode Darius. I don't know if you guys heard the the wrap-up postseason press conference last year. It's like Darius has got to be an everyday guy. It's too easy for us to—when we pull him for him Mm -hmm. to hang his head, Like we can't have that. And I've said this several times. There's a disconnect somewhere with those two, like Chris Mack and Darius Perry, which is funny because— can you imagine if Rick Pitino was coaching Darius Perry? Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. Exactly. Like, like um, you know, Darius Perry would have had his confidence torn down the first season and he'd be Bill back somewhere up. else probably. You know, how weird is it that the person who's gotten the most out of Darius Perry is David Pageant?
1: Uh, I don't know. That's so weird.
0: Like, and and to me, Darius Perry is a combination of Sosa and Chris Jones. He's got the body language of Chris Jones, and he's got the just weird like like really good at times and then really bad at times of Edgar Sosa and so far
1: it's not not been a great combination it's weird to me how he wants to shoot contested shots but when he's wide open he won't shoot the ball what it, a weird dynamic his shot needs to improve he, he
2: it's it's so mechanically so when when you release your knees and elbows need to click at the same time his never do i don't know how he makes any shots at all um i don't i don't I, i'm not a fan of him shooting long range shots at all uh, you know in in the game at any point in time um, he's more of a slasher. I saw him at the Derby Classic coming into coming into college, and uh, he was really good in the open floor. Um, teammates seemed to trust him. I think he was on the floor with
0: Malik Williams, also. Yeah, um, yeah, I covered that the Kentucky Derby Classic yeah. when he was there and won the dunk contest. So yeah. he was
2: a fun player. Um, when when Chris Mack says what you said about you know when he says well we'll see to me that's a challenge to a player that you know I believe in. Yeah. Otherwise you know you you're, you're gonna coach speak it. You know you're gonna say. Well, you know, like we're getting better, you're going to Bobby Petrino it, we'll go to practice, you know, right. we'll do all this and that. So right. um, I, I think that's, that's a challenge. And,
0: I, and, you know, these kids listen and see everything, you know, they're, yeah. they're
2: all over the place.
0: Yeah, and with, with Darius, I, I just, I can't wrap my head around it because at times it looks like, I mean, let's be, let's be perfectly clear, his teammates love him. There's no denying that. I've he was because the gold he jersey, is, right? Right. right before the Texas we Tech talked game. about that last week. I don't understand. How could you have the gold jersey and go in and play like that? Exactly. And to me, it looked like the last couple of turnovers, he was like, I don't care. Exactly. I like don't six care. Six
1: turnovers in the game. And then it, the turnovers, at least to a fan, you're watching the game and you're thinking, well, that was Darius' fault. Yeah. And then he's immediately getting on his teammates about it. it yeah. It's like the worst kind of thing you want to see, you know? It, yeah.
0: And, and that's our point guard. The other thing that you pointed out that was really interesting to me is, you know, one, Darius and Fresh, why are they on the floor together? I don't understand. They're essentially kind of clones of each other in a way. I think they do a lot of the same things really well, and they do a lot of the same things
1: pretty bad. They're kind of the only two players that we play that can't really shoot the three ball.
0: Yeah, and the thing is... is. Fresh was a Fresh was a good shooter at, at St. Joe. He was a
1: scorer, Romage
0: pointed that out earlier. Yeah, and that's another thing you pointed out in your article was that you got to let if he's a scorer, stop asking him to be a passer. Exactly. And Matt continues to put him in lineups where he's the one being asked to facilitate the offense and I don't understand he's that not because be that's CC'd, not what he's yeah. done. Right. He is not he is not cutting him. Right. And and the fact that and I don't know if that's what they are asking him to do, but with 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 Fresh in the game, my expectation is he's going to be the guy who you're trying to get the ball to to score. You're not, you're not asking him to set your offense up. you're not asking him uh, to set screens and to you know flash out to the, for, for looks on the three-point line. That's not what you're asking him to do. You're asking for him to, to control the ball, you know operate in the pick and roll, be able to attack downhill, uh, being able to kind of you know, whatever it is, like you've got to ask him to score and make a move. Yeah. Right, and the other thing is he falls down a lot. I uh, yeah. I, I have around. heard that. I've heard so
2: many people say that, and uh, I need to watch tape so, because okay. I don't notice. I'm
0: gonna give you guys a challenge for next game. It's not just him. There's something about this team; they fall down so much. I, Malik Williams falls down every play. It's making it a drinking game. Yeah, it, every it time really they is. fall down. We talked about this a last week too. Like why? It's just the weirdest thing. I've never seen such coordinated guys. Just. Like Fresh fell down on a layup against Texas Tech where he was wide open, and fell down. Like (laughs) it's like yeah, like it's he clanked one off the side of the rim. It's things like that that I don't understand, but. Um, I like the idea of Ryan McMahon and David Johnson. Yes, I think that that both of those guys give you a, somebody who can set the offense up. I mean, Ryan
1: McMahon had what six assists against Eastern Kentucky. His passing's been incredible this season. Yeah, he, he doesn't like last year. Turnovers were his issue. He would ball fake, get the guy off his feet because they have to respect his three point shot. And then it's everything that he did after that that fans didn't like the yeah. drive, the floater attempt the kick out that got stolen yeah and this year he's really not turning the ball over all that much he's smooth man that yeah. to Steven Enoch. was, that was beautiful of and, beauty, and darius beauty. had a nice one too in that yeah. game but that michigan state game as i pointed out in the article that game last year we gave ryan mcmahon the keys in that game he was bringing the ball off the floor we're, yeah. we're screening for him he has 24 something points and we win that game against a team who made it to the final four last year and ryan's only gotten better i just Don't think it would hurt to try it. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. But the thing you have to worry about with Ryan is longer, more athletic guards. So the Florida State's of the world, we saw last year (sighs) that Florida State game. Ryan was a walking turnover meltdown because you're limited when you're smaller. You're not as physical. Um, you have to rely on craftiness and being able to kind of maneuver your way into the paint and against longer stronger teams I don't I just don't think that that's Ryan McMahon's game it's just not
1: I I don't see it but I'm just counting on his improvement you know like he's only made you believe this year that he's fixed pretty much every problem that he had yeah and I I know that we're gonna have to see it against the Kentuckys and the ACC opponents of the world but I, I really think that Ryan may have it in him to at least give us like 10 to 15 minutes at the one a game. We just got to get it up the floor. Teams play without a point guard all the time nowadays. Right. And if we can just get into the offense, then he becomes an average player. You know, like he's just like the other guys, screening for each other, trying to get open, shoot a three. He's a good screener, too. He's gotten a lot better at that. He does everything well. And defensively, man, I I mean, Michigan especially. I was just
0: amazed watching him guard Eli Brooks, who is a smaller guard, but Eli Brooks is their second leading scorer in the season. He finished the game with two points, was 0 for 6. Ryan was sensational defensively. And if that's the Ryan McMahon you're getting, it makes sense why he's leading the, the guards in minutes. It makes total sense because that's, if that's, but at the same time, if that's your best guard, you yeah, had a lot of problems. Definitely. And yeah. we still, Maybe that's
1: mean. I don't mean to be like critical, but that's that's factual. Definitely. And after the Texas Tech game, we lose that game. Number three now. Still, nine to one favorite to win the title in Vegas. Nobody else is nine to one. Nobody else is lower than that. I, I think that, they still believe in us at least but yes how crazy is it that we as Louisville fans follow the team as close as anybody are yeah. just sitting here going Ryan McMahon's probably the best guard we have and yeah. we're a national title favorite yeah that, makes, that's just our makeup I think yeah we're just like you know well
0: we're so like I mean if Darius goes out tomorrow and has a double double we're all going to be on the Darius Perry train which, which Alan is engineering I'll be, I'll be tweeting and retweeting <laughs> everything there's DM no. Darius so okay so let me ask you this then before we move on and kind of talk about the Kentucky game a little bit what is it about Darius Perry that you trust what is it that you see because you've got to be seeing something I, I i i trust experience um you're talking about the
2: acc um david johnson has never seen an eight um, you know obviously he's a freshman has never seen an acc minute now that's not to say he doesn't have like immense upside i mean this kid he's he's special and i said that preseason too like david johnson's special he needs to come up to speed though mm-hmm. um you know like we, we need to get him in the sets like defensively you know the switching and things like that he gets beat um but another person who has never seen an ACC minute is Fresh Kimball. He has seen—I don't even know what St. Joe's is in, to be honest with you. Atlantic Ten, I believe. I think so? Yeah, well, yeah that 10. sounds right. Yeah. Um, now, and he—he he was the guy. He was one of the guys, you know, on that team. So, um, to me, uh, you know, this is his third year. He knows the system, the Mac system too. He has a lot of experience with that. These other guys have, you know, less than fifteen games of, you know, the 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 Chris Mac experience. So, yeah. Um, I, I'll always, you know, I will with upperclassmen that have seen that much action I will always defer to them and I'll you know I'll die on that hill until you know Parius gives me a reason to you know jump off it
1: yeah he has the most experience and he probably has the most talent I think of the guys that we're talking about if he could just put it into place defensively when he gets that energy going and he is playing well, he's a really good defender. I just want to see him play the same way, it's not get too low, not get too high.
0: Yeah, and that's that's the tough part, and that's what Chris Mack wants to see. That When you hear Chris Mack use the term everyday guy, he wants the same guy. It's going to sound so cliche. He wants the same guy every day, yeah. regardless of circumstances. For the sake of time, let's, let's move on, because we're going to have time to preview Kentucky. That game's not for another couple of weeks. But I, I want to jump into some of this decade stuff, because uh, for Louisville fans, like – I think it's hard sometimes to put into words what the last 10 years have been like. You know, for me, I grew up thinking I was never going to see a national championship. I, I legit have told people, you know, when I was, when I was 15, 16, 17, 18, I'm never going to get to live to see Louisville win a championship. I just, there's too many teams. I just don't see it. And sure enough, in 2013, so you guys probably don't know this about me, but I lost my best friend to suicide about three weeks before that national championship game. And that was that was bigger than just a moment that you know of a team that was that was just being able to kind of. Uh, be very thankful for a program who, uh, I you know, has been a mainstay in my entire life, and, and to have that happen a couple of weeks before, and just you know, it, it, a lot of things that kind of made that moment so special. But there's so many good moments in the decade. I mean, it, the list is endless. Absolutely. So, what what are the top? Uh, we can we can just kind of go off. Of, we don't have to put a number on, but what are some of the moments outside of that championship that stand out to you guys in the in the decade? Football, basketball, women's basketball, baseball, soccer. I mean, we've been, I mean, Louisville's been good at every sport for the last 10 years, which is wonderful.
1: Yeah. The Final Four in 2012 really stood out to me. The infrared kind of breaking that barrier of mm-hmm. getting back for the first time since 2005. And also looking back on even more now, like I had Kyle Kirk on Red Talk, developed mm-hmm. a relationship with him. He realized what a special guy he is and all he went through to get right. him to the Final Four to get uh, to that yeah, point. Man. And even with the loss to Kentucky, I just look back at those awesome games we played along the way. That Michigan State game, Draymond Green's last game, yeah. when we had Swabshire in the corner and mm. Gorgie Zhang mm. hits a three. Right. It just felt like it was meant to be. And then, man, that Florida game yeah, when exactly. we were down the and comeback, out, yeah. Yeah. and it was Shane Bahannon, we're going to clear out, win this game for us. it it was, a, it was a really special run, and I'll never forget it. And that 2013 championship, that, the Big East tournament, that part of it, you know, that Syracuse that game. That Syracuse I, game. I think I've watched that game over more than any other Louisville game of all time just because that run is so incredible. You just keep looking up. It's a Trez dunk. It's a yeah. tip, tipping. It's beautiful. It's so like, many great moments.
2: And that game, like, that that game is overlooked. That was, like, the key. That was one of the key moments in that season. Um, it, I mean, if you look at, you know, we got down by, I think we were down 17 and a half. Yeah. Um, and then you know every Louisville fan in there, you know, is listening or I, I was listening because I was at work or listening or watching, and you're just thinking, well, I'm turn this off, you know, or I'll, I'll give them a minute to get it together, and they just came up, came, they came storming in the second half.
0: Yeah, so that that's a great point when you talk about 2012 because, and I think Ruppertino has talked about how unpro- like improbable of a run that that team had no business being in the final four, but it, there's something to be said for teams that have. You know the the recipe, right so you got veteran guards, you've got you, you know you got good coaching got just the schedule that works out you get hot uh, in two thousand twelve and two thousand thirteen they got hot uh, what about what about the sugar Bowl? I think for me for football that's the highlight um, you could talk about you know potentially Scott Satterfield being hired. I know that's really new, but that's a big deal um, in terms of the the best moments because I really think that this guy's gonna change the way the program runs, but that sugar Bowl with Teddy Bridgewater, that team Charlie strong. Um, I just will never forget Florida fans telling everybody how much they didn't want to be in that game. Oh man. And then
1: just getting their they have ass little man. Yeah. yeah. I, I was at that game. I barely got to my seat in time for Terrell Floyd to take that yeah. to the house. Oh my six. gosh. What I a beautiful that, moment! And I was, I was in New Orleans for a couple of days before that. And every fan we saw is just chomping at us doing yeah. the Gator chomp. Right. We're going to, we're going to kill you guys. And, it just didn't go that way. Teddy gets hit by Bostick. Teddy played such a flawless game. And my favorite part is they, they try to do that onside kick. And then first play, Teddy to Damian Copeland, top off, game over. Like, yeah, yeah. It, there was just nothing like it. And I think, the 2012 and 2013 run, they were surprising at times. You know, we get down and we're, we're getting worried. But that that game, I did not expect that at all. So just having that type of euphoria and not expecting it was yeah, really something.
0: And to to with Teddy Bridgewater, he was one of those guys, like, you just had to take advantage. Like, we got to win something with him now yes. or else I don't know. And this is obviously pre-Lamar. Like, we didn't know Lamar was coming. Right. We thought at the time, this is as good as it gets, Right. Teddy Bridgewater was fantastic. He was an incredible human being, great player, really led Louisville the way that you would want. And for him to be able to, to go out with a win like that, I mean, that was, I mean, it was, it was crazy. Uh, what about, let's we'll keep going down the, the list here. What about Louisville's first, uh, birth to the college world series? I, what was it 2000 and was it? Was it 07? Uh, 07 was the well, first so, one. So, so, uh, so the 07, so my my a good family friend of ours played on that team, was very familiar with that, of how big of a moment that was for the university. But I'm talking yeah. in the decade, that first trip back, and I cannot remember what year that was. I, I, was it 12 or 13? I really can't remember. I, I want to say it was 13, the first one back. We know 13 was big.
2: You know, I, I know they made it back that year. I, yeah. don't know, I don't know if that was the first year back in the 2010s.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to be a completely honest. With you, I don't remember a damn thing about that, but I remember making. I was in college when it happened, so I remember that, and I remember uh, Sutton Whiting played shortstop on that team. I had Sutton was a good friend of mine in college. I had a blast hanging out with that guy and just kind of hearing, you know. The inside stories of what happened
1: for that that season was great.
0: And I feel like I'm leading, I'm leading the Lizards. Somebody else take this because so I have this, no idea what happened this, that year. This
1: this decade, College World <laughs> Series appearances in 2013, 14, 17, and 19. That is incredible. Yeah, like, and
0: it, it could have been the year with the Cal State Fullerton exactly. foul ball, which we'll get into that in a second. One of the worst moments. Yeah, one of, of the, the worst decade. moments of the decade. Yeah. Like, um, But for Louisville, not any means of powerhouse in baseball. And the Dan McDonald hire, I don't think anybody saw him turning Louisville. I mean, my barber tells me all the time he used to play for the Louisville club baseball team before they had a Division One baseball team. And it, it like the fact that Louisville has now been in the World Series six times is
1: unbelievable. And five the, times, whatever the number is. The Louisville baseball yeah. program kind of sustaining excellence throughout that really tough year we had, where we made it. You know, we NIT team in basketball, mm-hmm. and then football comes around two and ten. The baseball team just never missed a beat, and I, I'm a huge Louisville baseball fan. I try to watch every single game. Huge baseball guy, I watch every Cubs game too. And it, it just meant a lot to me to like turn those guys on and know that they're going to bring it every single day or night. And that's what you can just expect from them yeah, every and, year now.
0: And would have liked to have had a championship by now. I think Definitely. that they were close enough on a couple of, of, of chances. And I think it's coming. Yeah, I do, I do too. I think it's. I think they, they might have the group this year to finally get it done. Um, kudos to them. What about Lamar? Lamar's Heisman Trophy run? Uh, probably one of the most improbable moments in Louisville football history. I, I mean, we all knew Lamar is special, but I don't think anybody saw that season going the way it did. And it started with, I think it was Charlotte, the first game of the season where he had seven touchdowns in three quarters, really kind of set off what was going to happen. Syracuse obviously comes the next week. He hurdles the defender in the end zone. Probably the most iconic football moment for Louisville, I would say. Yeah. Um, That's going to be the trophy, I think.
2: I think that's going to be when they build that trophy, that'll
0: be it. You mean the statue? What did I say? Trophy. A big trophy. Yeah. Big Big, statue. Yes, (laughs) but they've got that, the like life size, like thing coming out of the wall now in the facility. I don't know if you've got seen the picture of it, of Lamar's leap. And I mean, it's, it's, it is, I think you're right. I think when they do put a statue up, it'll be. It'll be that. Yeah, it
1: was iconic at the time, and it still is. And just watching what the guy's doing now, I think that's what another thing that makes the Heisman run so impressive and spectacular. Just to see that he can do it at any level. And what we were watching at Louisville at the time was incredible, and it hadn't been seen before. And now the NFL's getting to look at it.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean just the way that that he did, the way that the, the the things that he did. I mean, the Florida State game is the one that comes to mind. The spin move tackles, uh, you know, breaking tackles and and going 62 yards for a touchdown. Um, the some of the deep balls that he threw that just made you say like, what? Like, you know, from his his freshman year, we saw a lot of improvement from the the first game when he stepped onto the field against Auburn, threw a pick on the first play of the game, which he always talks about. He wished he
1: could have that moment back. Has he uh-huh. ever been tired? You know, he, you're watching that Florida State game over, and he's breaking five guys off, ending up in the end zone, and then he's still running around, dancing, celebrating with his teammates. I've never seen Lamar Jackson be tired. And he not did him. that, that knee-high all yeah. the way to the bench. Yes. like, are you serious? Not to, 70 not to yards. mention
0: his defense would be on the field for like 30 seconds before they gave up a play, not and he'd tired. have to come right back out. Ready for another Right, right. You can tell he gets up for it. Uh, what are some of the uh, the the low key moments for you guys? I'm not going to tell you what I have on my list here, but what are some of the moments that you feel like aren't talked about enough?
1: The miracle on Maine, the win against yeah. Marquette, because I oh. took that out of my yeah. mouth. Man. That was uh that was the first year at the Yum, yep. so that was a little different. You know, you're going into this arena and you're like. Oh my God! This is where we play now. Like yeah, coming from my, that was my
0: freshman year of college. And uh, oh, wow,
1: dude! It, I, we almost left that game. We we were in our seats where we sat for almost eight or nine years, and we're down 18, and we're about to leave, and then Preston Knowles hits a three. Yeah, and then he hits another three, mm-hmm. and then he hits another three, and then we're at a point I think where we're down one or it's tied, and we call a timeout. And everybody knows Preston Knowles is getting excellent the ball. play. Everybody oh, in the excellent. arena knows he's shooting. It doesn't matter where it's from. We've seen the Edgar Sosa clip. He's pulling up. He deserves to. And Rick Pitino just draws up the most fantastic play for Kyle Kirk. screening for Knowles on the slip, lay it up, we're going home, incredible. Yeah, yeah that that was a game where, and my wife does this to me. She did this
2: to me uh, against Texas Tech. She's like, "Why are you still watching this?" And I'm like, "I just do because man. of the miracle. I'm because made. I do, and that's why exactly yeah. I, I watch because of that game right there."
1: Also, uh, when Quentin and Donovan beat UK in 2016, that meant oh, a lot my
0: to me. God. One of the underrated moments is Q putting. Um, I, well, I think Bam. It, yeah, I think yeah, it was Bam the on crossover. And oh he, my god, the he, slowest point guard in the history of basketball crossed over Bam out of bounds. That was
1: smooth, man. I, I grew up a few doors down from Quentin, and we were always good friends growing up. And he grew up loving Louisville and hating Kentucky mm. and just to see him accomplish mm. that it's, it's not easy we haven't beaten Kentucky in basketball a ton in our lives so. Storybook, I mean man. that's the one that's him the one win
0: that. since Calipari's been back
1: yeah. I'm, or has been the head coach if I'm not mistaken Louisville's only beaten them one time and he's, he's coming back down the floor after he crosses BAM and they're showing him and he's saying this is my state mm-hmm. that was pretty sweet I really really enjoyed that game
0: yeah, that's a good one. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that one of the low key moments for me, and it's not really low key, but I think that when you think about best, this is what's gonna come to your mind. I think it's ridding our ridding the program of Bobby Petrino. I think that that's gonna be a moment we look at in 20 years, and it, we really. And the other thing, it, and best moments is the hiring of Vince Tyra. I think those two kind of go hand in hand because at the time, if you remember, we didn't know who was gonna be the athletic director. They talked about Junior Bridgman stepping in as a, in an interim role. You talked about some of the you know some of the people on staff. Uh, And then comes this local businessman uh, who everybody knew the last name, but they didn't know the first name of who this guy was. And look at him now, three, four years later, and Louisville is back better than they were before under Tom Jurch, in my opinion. But the Bobby Petrino firing uh, is crucial because – he had the potential as a one-man crew to wreck the program. I think if he had been there one more year, you would have had a mass exodus of you know forty to fifty guys leaving. I think that there was a there was a real chance. I don't know if many people know this. There was, and I, I know it came out later. There was there the report was there was twenty plus guys with their paperwork. I had heard that there was up to fifty guys with paperwork to fill it out to get into the transfer portal. Uh, most of the guys had had enough at that point of him and and ridding him. I know again, I know this is late in the decade. I know it's a, not a good moment, but to get rid of somebody so toxic to a program that has so much potential. And obviously it led to the hiring of Scott Satterfield.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point.
0: Yeah. There's gotta be more. I'm going to go back to Twitter because I, we, we put this question up on Twitter today, um, from the big red Louie account. And I think that there was a lot of good answers. So I'm going to try to, uh, scroll through these the quick, I, the quickest I can. Mango Mathiang mid-range the, jumper. The jumper against yes, Virginia. Uh, you, you've got the Russ Smith game winner against Cincinnati, where oh, Terry Rozier awesome. freaked out at the last second, didn't know what to do with the ball, and just gave it to Russ. That was awesome. Uh, the moment with uh one of the Schimmel sisters, uh, staring down Brittany Griner oh, after, after the, the and one scoop. Yeah, where was the great. yeah, um, somebody said Asia Durr's senior night game where she single-handedly outscored the opponent through three quarters.
1: I always thought Shoney was gonna pan out in the WNBA. That bummed me out.
0: You know, Louisville's, Louisville's players, unfortunately, have not had a whole lot of success in the WNBA. we coming. Yeah, yeah, hopefully Angel can get healthy and get back soon. But funny story about Angel McCautry. This is a complete sidebar here, but I used to go up to Hoops back when Hoops was open, and her and T-Will would be up there going one-on-one all the time. And she held her own on him all Man. the time. She was extremely, extremely wow. strong. Uh, but anyways, let's her. Uh, uh, Russ Smith dunking on Julius Randle won in the tournament, one in the, the regular season game. Um, the, everybody talks about the FSU game. Mike Rutherford chiming in, winning the 2010 BFO Brady's bowl dance-off. I don't know if you guys remember that, the fight between Louisville and Southern Miss after a dance-off on the beach. Do you guys remember this? <laughs> I do not. I oh, know. my gosh. I was in St. Pete for this game. It was the first bowl game under Charlie Strong. It was, they went 6-6, six and six, uh, and they got into a fight at the beach with, Miss- with Southern Miss after a dance-off. True story. Classic. All right. Worst moment of the decade. I think this one's a little bit easier. Yeah, for here me we honest. go. So obviously I think it all starts with Andre McGee and Ketan ah, That name. That, that name, name is not – Triggered. It's a name that we don't talk about on the show a whole lot. Definitely Both names. To talk about. Uh,
1: so I think that that's, that's where you start. What else? Um, man, it, there's there's been a lot of good and a lot of bad um, – the, when Rick Patino was fired and it was really over, I was really, really worried because, as I already said, I had a relationship with Quentin and I felt like that team was really close and they had a lot of good players. I mean, Quentin, Dangadel, Ray Spalding all coming back and then Rick's gone and there's like a month until the season. Yeah. And I mean, I grew up and Rick was the coach. You know, I, I didn't know what was going to happen I, after that.
0: I don't know a Louisville basketball team coached by anybody else for a Exactly. Rick I, I mean, my first wow, memory man. of Louisville basketball is 2002 or 3 against Tennessee, the Reese Gaines comeback Yeah. It's the first game I remember in my. Entire life uh, basketball for Louisville. Uh, it, that moment was—it felt like a part of me died. When yeah, he was seriously. Yeah. I mean, I was ready for him to go. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I was very happy with the way that the program was going and getting Donovan Mitchell, Malik Williams. They got a great recruiting class. But the stain that he had left at that point was national nationally perspective of Louisville was so bad. My degree is that from Louisville. I've been here my entire life, and that I think that hurt just as much. Knowing what he had done, what he could have prevented. The lies he told, the way he manipulated himself out of certain situations, uh, it sucked
1: to watch him go, but you know. If it's one bad thing, it's one bad thing, but it was like three or four. Right. You know? it, that, it was probably Tom, but it still was devastating when it really happened and it, not even necessarily like not being able to hear the, it's Rick, but you know, at the game, Yeah. It, it was, where does this go from here? Who's the next guy? And then you hear that it's pageant and you watch the way the season went. I think that, as a whole, was probably the worst for me. Watching Quentin leave the way he did that, that nit season, yeah. And the by far the worst moment of the decade for me was the DeAndre Hunter banked in three. Oh, in I forgot about dude. that. I didn't I was, even make
0: another my name list. that triggers me. Yeah, didn't uh, even make my list. Goodness gracious,
2: I, 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 dude, That was that was that was the worst. That was the worst loss I think ever.
1: Ever. Right. I mean that I can think of. I don't know the Duke comeback. The Duke is, loss was a bummer. It was, but that loss is like singularly kept us out of the tournament If we win that game against number one virginia we're in the tournament and then you never know we're a 10 seed we had some nba talent on our team you don't know what that team's going to do and the perception of them looking back on it is totally different if they make the tournament they're not the nit team anymore right and that one loss did that the duke loss don't get me wrong that was crushing i was in there oh man like what a rough night but that virginia game i've never seen so many louisville fans leaving the um center So mad. It seemed like everybody was ready to fight each other. It was just not a good place to be the guy that was sitting behind me left with
2: 30 seconds ago and he's because and he, he knew it was just weird i mean or not 30 seconds about 30 seconds before he hit the shot i should say yeah because he knew he was just like here we go yeah Everything with that, that dude
0: game i i just and it's i think it's part of being a louisville fan louisville, louisville blowing leads is not new to chris Mack. like that's been i yeah. think for years louisville has let teams get back in and it's yeah. it's sports in general but that game i remember sitting there at halftime telling my buddy i was up at roosters said they're not gonna win this game louisville's gonna lose
1: we played joker in the thief and then i swear they went on like a 21 to 4 run in the last four minutes oh, and it's
0: it, the worst one it, it's the reverse effect right, of Joker he, and the he, thief Joker played played the the song. Is undefeated. like and, it is no lie they and I, let's let's talk about this for a second this is the first time i've ever been with you two whoever runs like whenever they're like it's time to play the song that eight. person deserves a raise because yeah. it's at the right time every single game i think yeah, it's I the eight minute tv time it's out. never the same it's, never the same. Yeah. it's, it's okay. never the
1: same i used to think that it was like key to our victories like we had oh dude it. same here and then I swear after that Virginia game cause I, I happened to listen to it like the last song before I got out of the car going yeah. to the Virginia game like this is where we turn it around yeah. we're going to the <laughs> right. and then I, I left there and I was like oh my god Joker then they played it against Duke and I was like oh no yeah, you had a no, flashback. Don't, don't happen. <laughs> don't happen. And then I'm at the Michigan game and they play it and I'm like holding arms out. Like, yeah. Please don't do this to me again. I can't handle it as a person. And thankfully they didn't. Yeah. So now I'm okay yeah. with it. But it took a while.
0: I always get worried they're not going to play it because like they wait so long. Yeah. Like it's not the right time and then it gets to be where they can't play it. But like I've seen them play that at like a 30 second mark game, or like a minute mark. Like it's, it's, it's It might be the same now, but for years they would just play it at the right. I mean they're just so good at judging yeah. when to get the crowd going. Like uh, it's amazing. They're like,
1: you know what? Let's get this party started. Yeah, I think yeah, you're right. This year, I'm pretty sure it's been like that eight minute TV timeout. There's I only noticed it against, against the Ek well, against the EKU.
0: And the thing is, this year they've got the light show, so light I don't know show. how much of that has to go into needing a longer timeout or We're whatever. That's I'm it's getting drilled
1: with those lights. Right? Oh, that's when that <laughs> when those lights are happening, just know that Will Reddington is in the arena getting just lights. You need his some eyes. of those Lamar sunglasses too. I, badly. Yeah. It's, it's rough up there. So yeah. it's
0: continuing to go down the list here, one of the ones that stands out to me, I'll, I'll just name a, a couple: James Quick versus Clemson well, the the yeah. out of bounds I still believe Clemson cheated with the with the line marker it doesn't make any sense why it was so far away from the field whatever James Quick also the year before took the wrong if you remember he Louisville made the big comeback against Clemson uh, he,
1: I think it was Will Gardner I believe
0: yeah they, they hit him on a perfect pass and he somehow was caught by a safety that wasn't within 40 yards of him when he caught the ball I mean it take the wrong the wrong angle so two years in a row you could have beat clemson the deandre hunter the hunter shot against virginia uh Louisville's loss last year in football at Kentucky is honestly one of the down moments of my entire Louisville Sports 55 to 6 or whatever just, it was 56 to 10. 56 I just expected 10.
1: that honestly, so that one wasn't as bad for me the thing, I mean, that was like a 28 point spread. Right,
0: but the thing was is that's the first time I've ever seen Cardinal Stadium full of UK fans. That, because that Louisville fans who are who want to call themselves smart, well, I you know, whatever, I can't say if you sell your tickets, but Louisville fans are like I got to sell my tickets to UK fans so I can get some money out of my season tickets this I'll year. I'll never
1: understand that, man. Yeah,
0: I, I, I would never sell my tickets to an opposing fan base. Yeah,
1: I was in there. I took it on the chin. But That's I've, what you got to do. I've got a couple
0: more for you. So the Cal State and foul ball in the Super Regionals of, I believe that was 2017, uh, which is interesting enough, I go to church uh, that weekend, and Dave Stone, I don't know if you guys remember this. I don't know if you know who Dave Stone is. Dave Stone used to be the pastor at Southeast. Dave Stone just so happened to be sitting right outside of the fence. He took a video of the ball landing outside of the park, and the ball was fouled. Like He How took a video that? of it landing foul, uh, and it made it even worse because Louisville should have won that game, should have gone on to a World Series, could have potentially won it all that year.
1: And that yeah. team was really, really good. Stuff like that is is why you see review being implemented more and more in college sports and in all pro sports now. You can't yeah. make mistakes like that that literally alter history. Got to yeah. get it
0: right. Yeah. So, uh, continuing on down the list, Kevin wears leg injury in 2013. Oh, man, that was brutal. One of the worst things I've ever seen. I'll never forget looking at the TV and wondering, "What is that? What is that white thing?" Yeah, me I was dad. quickly yeah. realizing that's a leg. Yeah.
2: I when it happened, all I saw was um Shane and Seba and who else fell yeah, down? Russ. And started started like, crying. I was like I was like, "What are they? Clyde?
0: I, yeah, I, what I, happened?" I thought maybe they were sick and they were starting to like throw up. Like, it like, was the weirdest yeah. thing. Yeah, my
1: dad And I were at that game, and when it happened, we were in the middle of all these Duke fans. And before that moment happens, I mean, they're they're being Duke fans. They're on us. They're they're you know we're Duke, you're Louisville. They're they're coming at us. And then that happens, and everybody's passing phones around. It's it's like there there's no words in any of the sections. Everybody's just looking at the pictures of what had happened to Kevin. And from that moment, you know Duke, uh, I think they they were right with us. Either leading and. Like, the Duke fans weren't cheering anymore. It yeah. was such a weird situation to be a part of. It was just somber in there, and then we just put it on them in the second yeah, that, half. Yeah,
0: that role in the second half, because that Duke team was so good. to be able to go out and dominate like that. That's when I knew Louisville was going to win the championship. Yeah, I really did. I mean, I know it sounds cliche to say, but the way they played against Duke in the second half of that game after what happened was amazing. Kevin the, Ware the was so effects. important. He was yeah. so
1: important to that team. He came off 16 points against Oregon mm-hmm. the the round before, and you're like, man, this Louisville team has nine guys that are all really good, and yeah. we can afford for guys to have off nights, and we can still win this thing. And then wears out, and you're like, man, that's that's the only thing that could have held us back. You know, if we had an injury like this, and that really, it was kind of the opposite for me. I was like, of of course, you know, something's gonna happen, but thankfully we rallied around him. What a year! Yeah. yeah. Uh two more. Self banned
0: from the NCAA tournament. That <sighs> to me, that's the one I've highlighted here. That's the one I just still don't get.
1: I left work that day, I just walked out.
0: I so I worked at the KFC Yum Center when that happened. I will oh, never wow. I will never forget sitting in the, the lobby of the offices watching the press conference and just wondering why. Why?
1: That, that was uh, right after we beat North Carolina, too. Yeah, right?
0: I mean, and that's when Louisville was. Louisville had beaten Duke. They were really coming into form of looking like a team that could win it all. And the more and more I think about it, and obviously, you know, retro. The, the hindsight is twenty twenty. Whatever the saying is, you know, there's a lot of things we don't know of what would happen there. But uh, you give me a team with with that team had seven NBA players on it. Seven NBA players on that roster. Yeah. Uh, you give me that team again with that same situation no self ban I think that team is winning the championship they, they, Damian they,
1: Lee was so special that year and such a likable guy what a terrible way for us to send him out and we had just proven we can beat the best like literally yeah. a couple days before and then you hear that yeah. and I, I thought it was a joke I was actually working at Nike and a customer told me "Yeah, did you hear Louisville's uh, not going to the tournament I was like I'm, I'm heading home Yeah, <laughs> I'll see you you can have somebody else yeah, I'm you know. done
0: Yeah, and this obviously this is the most recent Louisville football's 2-10 season which we highlighted as that being Potentially the best moment of the decade. So, a couple more things I want to hit on here. Player of the decade. You guys tell me who it is in your opinion and why. All, all sports. Let's let me let me open that up. Every sport Louisville has: baseball, soccer, basketball, football, women's basketball, all of it. The player of the year for Louisville or the player of the decade is who? Are
1: we talking just at Louisville or what they've done after? No, I, just, know, I know you're just for
0: their time at Louisville. I was going to ask
1: that too. Yeah, because yeah. that definitely matters. But. Yeah,
0: no, it definitely does because it, it makes a player like Donovan Mitchell. That puts them into the equation. Whereas Donovan Mitchell, people always want to have the argument of where Donovan Mitchell falls in the greatest of all time. Which to me, it's nowhere. I mean, he's not in the top fifty because he played two seasons and he wasn't Donovan Mitchell. Like that, Donovan Mitchell is not the Donovan Mitchell we see now. Very fair. So let's go back to just their time in Louisville. And let me let me, let's throw out some candidates here. We can let's start there. Yeah. yeah. So the, I think the obvious ones are Lamar Jackson, Russ Smith, Peyton Siva, Luke Hancock, Montrez Harrell. Get into football and Lamar Jackson, Jair Alexander. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, Devontae Parker, uh, basketball. Even you could throw Jordan Warren in the conversation for for women's basketball. Uh, uh, Maisha Hines Allen, you got Asia Durr, Shoney Schimmel. Um, I'm sure there's a lot more there. I'm not an avid women's basketball watcher, which I'm ashamed to admit that. Uh, but I, so I can't remember better. a ton. Yeah, well, I've got a daughter now. I'm taking my daughter to those games better. so she can see for sure uh, what what she can do. What yeah. she can do in life. We got man. Brendan McKay now.
1: Will Smith. Br- Brendan uh, McKay. Yeah. It's been crazy, but what Luke Hancock did in that championship game, I, I just don't think there's ever going to be words to describe it. It, it. I always imagine the timeout going like this: like we're in, we're in the timeout. Rick's looking around. We don't know what to do, and Luke says, "I'm going to go hit four threes in a row, and I'll be right back. Yeah, and then we'll figure it out." <laughs> And it's that was so just beautiful and perfect. And without that, we don't win the title. Without that personal run, that it, I mean, he, he put it on his shoulders. He did it by himself, yeah, he and he's did. a guy who didn't start the game. I just think that was like the biggest moment of, mm-hmm. of the Louisville deck. I mean, obviously, we won the title, but that little run, that four-minute stretch where he did that—I don't think anything anybody else did, in terms of like a win-loss standpoint, affected the university that much. So, who who is the player of the decade? I think it has to be Lamar, honestly. Yeah. Like, it, it, I, I, I know th- we're not supposed to take into account what he did after, but this this guy won the Heisman Trophy. Well, even I if think go- I'm
2: biased, you know. Even though he didn't, we didn't. Well, I don't even know if we won a bowl game. We won a, won a bowl game with him, right? Yeah, just one win. game, the Music City yeah. Bowl in 2015. But I'm, awesome. I think I'm just so biased <laughs> because of what, yeah, because of what he has become. I think I'm just biased. Like, like yeah. up here, I can't get it out. He, to me, he's. He's just so special.
0: Yeah. You know, and I think that in terms of the thing that makes Luke Hancock and Lamar Jackson similar is the hardware that they collected. Right. Whereas, you know, obviously Russ and Peyton Montrez, uh, you know, Shoney to an extent, same with some of the other baseball players. They don't have the hardware that those two guys have to make them special. Um, I'm going to agree with you. I think it's, I think it's Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is now, whether you, you bring in what he's done in the NFL, Lamar Jackson at Louisville was a trendsetter. I think that there's people who are from the area from where Lamar was, whether they they live there or even if they're across the country, who saw him and say, I want to be like him. Every quarterback, Lynn Bowden, every quarterback that
2: can run at all, yeah, is like, I want to be like Lamar Jackson. Well, they
0: called, I mean, when Mikhail Cunningham got here, they called him mini Lamar Jackson, which is, you know, a slap in the face to Lamar Jackson. No offense <laughs> yeah. to Michael. So we'll I think he a we'll Louisville fan. Yeah, that. right. Yeah, it's, like, like, it's like, that's a player I don't want to ever hear a comparison to Lamar Jackson. We love you, Mikael. Yeah, yeah I, I, right. I, think, uh, so I don't mean that in a bad way. No, no. Continue to express that. I think
1: that. Teddy is is right there, though. Mm-hmm. I don't know that if Teddy Bridgewater wouldn't have been what he was that Lamar Jackson even happens. Like, I really believe that Teddy kind of set that groundwork for Lamar no to doubt. be a Louisville and what that guy did, our, our program, it was good, but 2009, 2010, you know, like those years, they, they weren't great. And then Teddy came in and made us great. He got us to the Sugar Bowl. And I, I hate to keep bringing it up. Negative moments, but one of the one of the other worst moments of the decade for me was that loss to UCF that we yeah. had Teddy's senior yeah. year oh, because you would have been right Bortles. back you would have been exactly. right back to
0: the to the you know to the BCS game and we the would have been undefeated, undefeated yeah. yeah probably wouldn't have gone very far in the in the AAC yeah but, but it, you
1: know we were right there that was such a tough year to be in the AAC yeah the yeah. ac
0: yeah so uh, so we've kind of gone through that let's talk I saw this on Twitter today so I I will admit that I stole it. But let's let's talk Mount Rushmore That's of the fine. decade. So you got to put you got to put four people. And I also had to look up how many people are on Mount Rushmore because I thought it was five, but Definitely it's actually four. four. It's four yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Definitely you guys four. are much better cool. at geography yeah. than me. So who is your all's Mount Rushmore of Louisville football for the last decade? Of let's, football. Let's start with Louisville football. Yeah.
2: All right. I think you go Lamar. Yeah. I mean, put Teddy on there. Um, I guess you go. I mean, do you go Jair? Um. Or do you go? Do you? I mean, w- there has to be a defensive player on there. Yeah. Um. So I'm not sure. I mean, there's there's several to choose from.
1: There there is. I have Lamar Jackson, Teddy Bridgewater, Gerard Holloman, and Devonte Parker. Okay, that's
0: a, That's that's where I was at. I was going to say Gerard Holloman. Holloman yeah. The the 14 interception season was unreal. It's especially weird. Especially considering into that a the game. guy. People will tell you now the guy can't tackle, can't cover anybody, <laughs> oh, but yet man. he came down with 14 interceptions and won the. I forget what the award was for the best Jim Thorpe yeah, yeah the Jim yeah, Thorpe award he's
1: such a good guy he was on Red Talk too he, he's one of the nicest people I've ever met and it, it's so cool kind of like connecting the dots now like just you know you turned on those games to see number eight and it wasn't Lamar a couple <laughs> of years before right and on, you, you literally are, are watching these games like When's Gerard gonna intercept a pass? Yeah. You know, in the my it started with that Miami game, the first one of the year. And it, it was really an incredible run that you just don't get to see. And I think we were lucky enough to see that in the prior decade with Elvis Doomerville. Yeah. You're waiting for Elvis to score a touchdown. You want to hear him go Elvis Doomerville. Cool. Yeah. Right. Right. And and Gerard was kind of this decade's version of that.
0: Yeah. And you could even say the same with like Mario Euridia with their own special music, like just kind of became oh, its own man, character. How sweet was that? Right. It became he became his own character with the hot rod thing. Like yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. I went Lamar Jackson, Teddy Bridgewater, because you have to have quarterbacks, right? The quarterback's yeah, kind of like your president of the of the organization. Yeah, you don't want to really have to choose between those two. Right, right, right. And then Jair Alexander, because I have, in my time as a Louisville fan, I obviously I didn't see uh, Sam Addison, Ray Buchanan. I didn't see some of those special secondary guys. But I've never seen a side of the field locked down like Jair Alexander. When he was out there, you had a half of a football field. No fly zone. Yeah, right. Exactly. And then, not to mention the chicken strut against Wake Forest. Oh, classic! One of the top five moments in Louisville sports history. One of the best gifts. I still use it all the time. It is amazing. Anytime Louisville plays Wake Forest from now on, (laughs) until eternity in any sport, it is the Jair Alexander, the uh, Jair Alexander gift. And I was going to say something – the the one thing about Gerard Holloman that was really interesting, this is not something anybody will ever talk about, but if you think about it, how lucky Louisville was with safeties for about four years. They had – if you remember the the Hakeem Smith and Calvin Pryor, then you transitioned into James Sample and Gerard Holloman turn that around into to josh harvey clemens who looked like wayne Blackshire on a football field <sighs> louisville got really lucky with good safety play for a
1: number of years 100 definitely Carry uh, Rhodes is probably like my favorite louisville player of oh, my life i know that was the prior decade you know it's man, really and we've had some good ones I,
0: I did not know he wore the number one at louisville. number one i did man. not
1: know that i'll never forget like I, I still have like i can't remember hardly anything and i yeah. still have like that mental video of him having to pick six against uk and, like, yeah the, my, oh my god what a, what a guy
0: all right, let's move into basketball, and this can be a, a combination of of men's and women's, considering the arguments that Louisville Twitter has had the last several days. We're not going to segment this by sex or gender. We're going to segment this by basketball. So, what do what do you guys have in terms of the the all decade team? Um, I think you got to go. I mean, you got to pluck from
2: the two thousand thirteen team. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how deep you go. I think you got to pick. I mean, we're not just going to say, "Well, from one team, well, you know, whatever." If it's me. And I'm from 2013. I'm gonna say Russ. Yeah. If it's me. Yeah. Um. But I think you know, like you know, on the women's side, I, it, you know, Asia was special. Asia you know? is, I mean. Yeah.
0: So it was Angel. Like, obviously, I know Angel played. At the, I think she played at the end of
1: the. I think that was '09. Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So it,
0: from 2010 on, I mean, Asia is obviously the top of the of the pecking order, and there's a ton of other names in there. But she she is. We, we wrote an article last year when Louisville was on that run. She, in my mind, is one of the top – not not women's. She's one of the top basketball players to ever step foot on the floor for Louisville. Yeah, she was nasty. Her, I
2: think it was her senior night. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm fuzzy on that. Yeah. 47 yeah. points. Yeah. and Insane. And had
0: outscored – I forget who they played, but she outscored the opponent for the first two quarters NC all the State way through. Or something, yeah. like, something like that. Yeah. So for me, my team is really – this is going to be something that I think most people would call me crazy for, but you just got to hear me out. So – with the, Obviously, like you said, the 2013 team is where your chunk is going to come from because that was a championship team, right? So to me, the two that come out of that, you can't take everybody. So it's Russ or Peyton. you got to take one of the two. I took Russ, obviously, because I, th- I think in my opinion, and I know we disagreed on this, I think Russ Smith is the greatest player in global basketball history. I, I, but I, I, I'm biased. I only have seen so many. I hear you. But okay. Russ okay. Smith, in my mind, is uh, – and it's not just the Russ Smith on the floor. It's the folklore of what Russ Smith – it's the waffle photo, like – Everything about him that just yeah. makes him like the first
1: just, time you saw Russ warm up and he's wearing number twenty four and you're like, is that is that guy a manager? Like, are, are we sure we're doing this? Two star, like, yeah, like two star sure. recruit. Yeah. So I've
0: got Russ Smith and then I've got Luke Hancock because that moment alone puts him up there. He could have done nothing else in his career, and that moment puts him up there. And then I went Asia because Asia is the most dynamic <laughs> score I've ever seen. Here's the here's the last one. Okay, Jordan Wara. All right.
2: Okay. I'm I'm with you. Robbie I think head.
0: Jordan Wara is. Uh, I, because I think Russ is the best player in program history. Jordan Wara is the best scorer I've seen, and I've seen a lot. I've seen you know I could go down the list. I've seen uh, Francisco Garcia. I've seen Tyquan Dean. I've seen Reese Gaines. I've seen Russ Smith, Peyton Siva. Like I've seen little Damian Lee. Like I've Donovan Mitchell. I've seen Louisville have a ton of guys who can score. But the way that Jordan does it is
1: NBA-ish, and that's what I think makes Absolutely. him so special. I think you just sold me right there on yeah. that. I, I Really, I, I kind of agree with you. Like I saw Jordan on your on your list on the topic sheet, and I was thinking, man, we're already going to put him on there. But after you give yeah, yeah. your reasoning on it, I yeah. totally get it.
0: So, And I, I said this before the season, so this is not a prisoner of the moment thing. I, I believe that if Louisville wins a championship this year, Jordan Warren is in the top ten of Louisville basketball it, players of all time. And that's considering Jordan's not going to play a senior season. Jordan didn't play a freshman season. Jordan had two years, sophomore and junior season. What he did last year to, I mean, I think his his point per game average went up by like 14 points from his freshman to his sophomore season. He's
1: most improved.
0: Uh, The way he rebounds the ball, I've never seen from a forward like that. I mean, Louisville's had a lot of, Pretty good rebounders. I don't think they've ever had anybody as good as Jordan.
1: He's got some swagger to him this year, too. The, these blocks and these stare-downs. Yeah. It's like he knows that he's the best player on the floor and he's acting like it. And I love that because we need that type of confidence. And I think that confidence is what makes him possibly the best scorer in of basketball history. Yeah.
2: If, he, if he keeps going, in my opinion, he's the best scorer since Reese Gaines. Yeah. Right now. Right. But if he keeps doing what he's doing and we get a chip out of it, you're putting him on the Mount Rushmore, I think. In Louisville history, I mean, I think you're putting him up there if he keeps doing what he's doing. right now, And it's now, crazy I agree.
0: because I mean, I think he's going to barely probably eclipse a thousand points, but he's not going to be in any record books in terms of his scoring level at Louisville because again, you got to consider he's only going to have played two seasons. Yeah. You know, his freshman season, I don't know what it was. I think I can probably guess in between the lines because you can see some potential attitude issues with Jordan, but David Pageant and him just didn't work. They didn't like David Pageant almost killed any shot of having Jordan War. Yeah, um, but since then he has been special. Um, and I, I just think that, you know, I think if they win a championship, if, if not, I think you can kind of potentially kind of rule that out. But I think if they win a championship, he's your best player. He leads you there. How could you not consider him as one of the best players in basketball history? Totally uh, agree. Uh, l- let's, let's end on this. All right. We can do this collectively. I was just thinking of this. Who is the most under, if you had to put together the most underrated players, players that nobody talked about, like, but, but, but they, they brought an impact or they did something for the program that nobody else could do across all Louisville sports for the decade. One of the guys on there has got to be Dwayne Sutton. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Dwayne Sutton is on the underrated. Like I think Q
1: could be potentially on that list. I think so, too. What what Quentin was thrown into his freshman year with Jones being kicked off the team and yeah. then getting the keys to that team, and it kind of just being like, don't blow it, don't crash his car. I,
0: so I don't know if you remember this, but uh, I think they played Pittsburgh. and It's the best alley-oop dunk I've ever seen in my entire life is when Q was on a fast break with Trez and he fell at half court and lobbed the ball up. Lobbed the ball up, just fell down and threw it up. And he they called they called Pittsburgh for a foul. But he threw up a perfect lob to Montrez. I've never seen anything like it. It was amazing.
2: I think it was in front of the basket too. Yeah. I think Trez had to turn a little bit, but just where it was, I mean you know, he knew he could get it to him. He knew he'd finish.
0: He, I mean, he, like, tripped and just, like, kind of, like, chucked it up, and it yeah. was perfect. It was beautiful. Those but,
1: free throws he hit against Irvine in the first round, uh, let oh us move on. gosh. That was really awesome. And that last year was really rough, but me and my grandpa and one of my best friends take a road trip mm-hmm. every year to go to one road game. And we happened to go to Notre Dame that year, and it was, like, Farrell's first game back, and it – I think we are like a two-point favorite and it just didn't feel right. We had already gone to Purdue that year and it was just such a bummer there. Those people were so mean to us. Yeah,
0: there was the FBI jackets everywhere. Yeah. Oh my I gosh. I can't tell you how mean they were to us Yeah, yet, but
1: that Notre Dame game was incredible. Quentin and Ray Spalding were fantastic. I, I think Quentin's up there. I think he's a guy that it, guys look back on him, they're like man he was kind of slow he couldn't really defend but he could do a lot of things really well and one thing he could do is like really really shoot the ball yeah and yeah. I, I think that is special I think it's really cool that we've just mentioned like three Louisville kids like yeah. as far as like the underrated because that's
2: kind of like the embodies the you know the Louisville fan the the city um and best game face this is just off you know out of left field best game face ever is Quentin Snyder that dude, I didn't see him smile not one time. Even know. when he crossed up, bam, he kind of just stared at him. Yeah, but he was he, having fun, I
1: swear. He, he has one facial expression, and it's just blank. Right? It's just it. I think uh, I think Wayne Blackshire like is worth mentioning. Wayne Blackshire's is a I, good one? I will, yeah, because he, that, that championship run, it kind of slept on. He scored like the first five points of that championship mm-hmm. game, and his senior year, he was really, really good at that, that 2014 year, and that, that's like probably that's another worst moment of the decade that yeah. lost to Kentucky. But.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that Preston Knowles is another basketball oh, name yeah. that you could throw up there. If you move into other sports and you start talking about uh, baseball, Coco Johnson is a name that comes to mind, was a great outfielder for the baseball team, really, really good. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. I just had one slip out of my mind. Damian Copeland is another one for football. Eli Rogers. Yeah, them. Eli Rogers. That whole receiving core. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, man. Yeah. Special, I, I another name. I know this doesn't belong, but I loved Will Gardner, so I'm going to throw that out there. Like, Will Gardner was <laughs> we'll was amazing. It, the I, I, love, year. I love that. The name. <laughs> year, <yeah. laughs> Got to know him pretty well in college. He is one of the best people I've ever met. Reggie, uh, Bonifant, Reggie Bonifant, Reggie Boniface is a man, perfect yeah. one, man. Malik Williams at running back. I don't know if you guys remember him. Yeah. Played this, played with Reggie was
1: dynamic. The first Malik Williams, I mean. yeah, yeah, the first, yeah, The Malik
2: he played Williams with, before the yeah. Malik yeah. Williams. He played with Day and them, right? Yeah. Thank
1: you on the same uh, team, man. Reggie, that that Notre Dame win is another like one of the best wins of the decade that. That we that we have and he did that at quarterback And now to see what he's doing now is on really the road rude.
0: Yeah on the it's road unreal. and not to Mention he lost his father just a few months before yeah. I mean absolutely unreal what he did Uh and, and I gotta tell you guys I've seen a lot of stuff this year with Devontae Parker obviously having a big season Um And Lamar Jackson, Teddy Bridgewater But the moment this season that really like gave Me the feels was the Reggie Bonifont 84 Yard oh, yeah. touchdown run because I was, I, I'm not going to say I was like, he took it easy on him because I thought that he, they continued to give him the ball at running back at Louisville and it just wasn't working. And I was trying to figure out, can we just do something else? Cause he's not a running back. Yeah. He didn't have instincts to find an open holes. but to see where he's at now, man, he is perfect for a team like that. He is a hard worker. He's going to give you everything you need, no matter where you put him on the field. Those guys are invaluable to locker room. So absolutely. All right, guys. It's been a fun show. Hopefully, we can do this again soon. Yes, sir. we got to send Presley and Alex out on more dinner dates, apparently. That's, <laughs> what, that's what it is. So, it's been fun, man. appreciate yeah. it. All right. Well, you guys can continue to check us out online at uh, bigredlouie.com. You can follow us on Twitter at, at bigredlouie.com. Will Reddington, four? Or is it four. zero four?
1: Four. There's no zero. Yep, there. I am actually the fourth. William Charles Reddington, the fourth. Look at that. So that's man. where that four comes from. Yeah. Four.
0: yeah. And then I can never forget your, your Twitter handle. Card underscore N. Cardinal score Al. There it is. All right. Capital L. Yeah, there you go. We'll check you out next time. Appreciate you checking in.